Hey, Rochon, good to have you on the show. Well, well, you got me from Atlanta, Georgia, so I'm in good shape. <laughs> so um, for everyone who doesn't know you, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Well, uh, basically, um, I'm a marketing and branding expert. My degree is in mathematics, uh, corporately trained at IBM. I went to the University of Houston, which is in Houston, Texas. Um, sitcom writer, director, film producer, Emmy Award winning television producer. I managed and built the career of Steve Harvey from 2000 to 2016. I managed his career. We did three number one books that started with Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man, launched the Family Feud series, really resurrected Family Feud series when he was brought on into syndication in 2010, and then launched this uh, executive producer and co-created the uh, talk show that we produced in Chicago that was from 2012, launched that day, and also um, launched this uh, syndicated radio network where we started with four stations. 2005, we launched that on WBLS in New York City. So I'm also an award-winning baker. That's what I do to relax. So a lot of top, a lot of things people enjoy about me because I, I reinvent myself. I don't, I don't sit back on my laurels. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in um, multiple streams of income. I think that's a, if you want to be an entrepreneur, I always look at the examples with corporations. Corporations, look at Amazon. If you go to Amazon's website you see all these different layers of multiple streams of income. If you go to a, a McDonald's, they don't just sell Big Macs. They have chicken, they have fries, they have fish sandwiches. Those are that's what you call multiple streams of income. And so basically we're looking at examples of success, which has so become a part of our everyday life that we don't realize that we should be taking advantage of the same techniques that corporations are doing on a daily basis. They are not relying on one stream of income. And the, Apple has phones, they have iPads, they have so many layers of, they have clouds, they even have a television streaming network. So yeah. the reason they're doing that because of the functionality of life. You doesn't mean that you can be, people can be excited about your sandwich on Tuesday, don't mean they're gonna be, they wanna buy it next week. <laughs> <laughs> how many sandwiches you're gonna buy, Hardy? Yeah, <laughs> good point. So and that's, um, that's me in a nutshell. I definitely will. You know, you can ask me any questions. My whole thing and coming on your show was just to let people know that uh, lead with your gifts in 2020. Hmm. Lead what you believe in in 2020. Be motivated to understand that you can be successful and stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. That's my motivational point. It's about planning. It's about understanding that you have value. If you enhance your value, then people will pay for it. And when I got the opportunity to come on your show, I just wanted people to understand that you can be me, you can be yourself, you can be anybody you want to do, but it has to start with consistency and proper planning. <laughs> so um, could you please share with us the story behind, like, how did you get involved in all those, uh, all those different things? And, um, yeah, why did you get involved, like, in the, uh, in, in the show business and into, like, entrepreneurship, marketing, and all those different things? So, uh, yeah, please go ahead. Okay, cool. I, I, I'll gladly tell you different layers, okay? <laughs> I know that uh, if you look at my background, um, oh. inner city kid, uh, my parents, uh, my father was a truck driver. My mom graduated from high school, inner city, uh, six sisters, two brothers. We grew up in a two-bedroom shotgun house. If anybody's not familiar with a shotgun house, the term used in the South, if you open the front door, shoot a shotgun through the front door, the bullets will come out the back door. 
That's why they call it shotgun house. <laughs> Never heard the term, so. <laughs> you know, got to tell the truth on your show, man. We got to be truthful, but I'm from the South, man. <laughs> so, um, so the beauty of, of a beauty of, that's my background. That's where I grew, yeah. you know, and, but I was a dreamer. You know, I, I, I watched How were your parents, like very strict and yeah. traditional or? Huh? How were your parents, like very strict or traditional? You know, my parents were, they just, uh, they, 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 they were disciplinarians from the standpoint that they realized that if I fell victim to the, my surroundings, then I could become a victim. So I was a yes, sir, no, sir, kid. I'm still a yes, sir, no, sir. Very respectful. Um, a clear understanding that that I knew the world that I grew up in, the world I lived in. Television showed me there were other things out there. There were other opportunities and really piqued my curiosity. Now, my parents didn't 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 um, didn't that, that wasn't their world. My father was a blue collar worker. Okay. Mm, okay. My mom was busy raising her kids. Okay. And she was a stay-at-home mom. Very traditional family from a standpoint. Very traditional African-American family in the South. You know, where the the, the husband uh, uh, supplied the income while the wife stayed at home. That was, mm -hmm. that, was, that, was, that was my life in the in the 60s. And but that's not the life we live today because of technology. And so so I got the opportunity to go to college. College changed my life. And I would tell everybody, I recommend everybody going to college. It changed my life. It, it changed it How? Why? Well, it allowed me to see that there was more opportunities besides an eight-to-five job. That's why I got into stand-up comedy. I got into stand-up comedy because I went to college, and it allowed me to meet other people who were not didn't look like me, didn't talk like me, had different visions, and it, and it piqued my curiosity. And so when it piqued my curiosity, it enabled me to be able to understand that there were other options out there to make money, and I could dream differently. I didn't have to dream like the rest of the people in my neighborhood. And so with that being said, that's what I did in college. And so hmm. and, and by the way, did you grow up like in a particularly bad neighborhood and with like gangs or something or yeah, was it like friendly back then? I'll tell you this. Um, uh, you know, you have the United States. I, mm -hmm. I, you have violent crimes. You know, this is a city that Second Amendment, you have the right to carry a gun okay, or own a gun. And it's not going to be taken away. Like one guy said, you take my gun away from me from my prime, dying prying hand. So so this is the country we live in. So there's, there's violence and there's availability of violence just a, hmm. just, a, just a store purchase away. So I didn't grow up in a neighborhood that was a gang infested. I, I grew up in a neighborhood that was not a very good neighborhood. where Police were slow to show up in your neighborhood. Okay, And so I have lived in uh, New York. Where gangs are prevalent. I have lived in Chicago, where gangs are prevalent, and I have lived in Los Angeles, where gangs are very prevalent. <laughs> you do read about and drive-bys are very, very real in Los Angeles. You know, gang violence is very, very real in Chicago as well as New York. Houston, it was just violence, typical uh, domestic violence, typical robberies. And did you really experience those things also, or like rob? Did did you experience those things also, like robberies and? When you say robberies, give me an example. Yeah, for instance, like like you are saying, like did you experience like gang violence? Did you see someone um, cheer some innocent guy? Yeah, 
No. No, okay, 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 okay. That was my, that was the world that we live in, and the world yeah. I didn't have direct contact with. I'm just yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay, got it, got it. No, so I'm just explaining to people that, that, you know, from a perspective, you know, you have a view, and you read about a view, and then you're like, I'm sure that you know, this podcast is originating in Germany. Uh, yep. I'm very ignorant to some of the practices and lifestyle. Basically, you know, if it, if, if, if it wasn't for me talking to you, you know, all we, all we should get over here is what's being told to us, the German lifestyle. You know, but sure. guess what? You know, the, uh, the the Nazis is huge as far as propaganda, you mm. know. And, and so that that's a major story that's continually being told in the U.S. about Germany's history. And so we have to deal with that. And so my, my conversation with you is that I'm a successful uh, African-American male in the United States who has to deal with the trials and tribulations and maintain that success. Hmm. So, um, yeah, could you please share with us like the story, like how did you get involved in the show business? Like what happened and what were like the, the, the turning moments or the key moments that uh, quote unquote changed their life? Well, I would tell you this, uh, what changed my life when I was named uh, Showtime's Funniest Comedian three consecutive years in a row. I was in 84, 85, and 86. Hmm. Second year after I was named, I was in the finals, and I lost in the finals to the now famous Ellen DeGeneres. Hmm. So, so that got me started as an entertainer. And in 86, I met Steve Harvey, who's now the world famous Steve Harvey. He was a young comedian. I was a headlining comedian. Headliner mean I was the final act on the show, and he was my opening act. That's how I met Steve Harvey. And then you go, then you, you you speed forward seven years later, he's now being offered an opportunity to have his own TV show on ABC called Me and the Boys. Steve. And, and did you rec recognize that he had like a lot of talent for doing this or, um, yeah. You talking about Steve? Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. Steve was hosting Showtime at the Apollo. Mm -hmm. And so... Then, then they did have the Montreal Comedy, Comedy Festival. The Montreal Comedy Festival is where all comedians went to, expose, to, you know, to showcase their talents. And ABC executives saw him in uh, Montreal and felt that he could get the talent to be a sitcom star. And so after he was, after that, he contacted me and he asked me what did I want to do, even though I had a very successful career as a stand-up comedy. I just completed taping the very popular HBO Def Comedy Jam. This was in 92. And in 93, his TV show aired on ABC. And I was one of the staff writers. Mm, very cool. So I started with stand-up comedy while I was working full-time for IBM. I would do stand-up mm -hmm. comedy. I left IBM in and then, by the way, did you do this for the money or was it like a passion of yours doing the stand-up comedy? Curiosity. I'll take curiosity. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, you go on stage, uh, you know, uh, I was doing stand-up comedy with the uh, with Bill Hicks and Sam Kennison in Houston, Texas. We all started out doing stand-up comedy. So I was always surrounded by very talented people who challenged my ability to be great. And so so those two people, unfortunately, they're not allowed to do it, but they made their mark in stand-up comedy history, both Sam Kennison as well as Bill Hicks. And so because they became international stars. And so... Out of curiosity, it translated to money. And in 1986, I left IBM because I felt I had the talent to travel the country and also the world to tell jokes and get paid for. Hmm. That's translating into money. 
And 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 um, well, like always, the funny kid at school, and uh, made all the girls laugh. Or no. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, teasing. I'm teasing. My degree is in mathematics. Okay. <laughs> okay. My minor is in sociology. Yeah. Okay. I went to college to get a civil engineering degree. There's no jokes nowhere in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no, no uh, fine arts. There's no theater in that. Yeah. So Sounds very boring to me. To to <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so... So that's why it's always interesting when people look at my, when they really delve into who I really am and my lifestyle, it's always funny because of the fact that I'm just being, I'm just, uh, I'm just doing my thing. Man. I'm just trying to be, I'm just, I'm just a guy trying to get my hustle right. Mm. And my hustle time was just to get out the hood. And education I saw as my way to get out of the hood. I knew that by getting a, a, a technical degree, or an engineering type degree, I could get a good paying job. But along the way, College opened my eyes to different people, different conversations, and different opportunities. One of those opportunities was stand-up comedy. Hmm. And um, after you did the stand-up thing and worked with Steve Harvey, um, how did this like change your life when his show uh, finally aired on ABC? And um, yeah, how did this change your life? Wise, tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> so you were feeling like my podcast is called Money Making Conversations. Okay, Money Making Conversations. I've been making money for so long. I'm just happy to tell everybody. You know, just Google me, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. My pictures just pop up. I got thousands and thousands of pages about me, and it's all tied to money. So not only no, this was it. This is name. How old were you, by the way? How old were you back then? I was, uh, I had to be 30, uh, 30, 33. 30. Mm -hmm. Quite young, yeah. Yeah, I was 35. I was 35. Mm -hmm. And, and um, uh, in a world that was dominated by whites because they were better paying jobs. And so I had an opportunity to break in because breaking into the writing industry or the entertaining industry behind the camera is tough, tougher Why? than in Why? front of the camera. Because you have to know people, you have to uh, have relationships, you have to start from the ground up. Remember, I passed a lot of steps because Steve Harvey wanted me as a writer. So that enabled my brand to grow uh, significantly faster than the average person who had to start as a production assistant. Mm. And um, did you have like a very close relationship already back then? Or? Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Best friends or, or very good friends? Yes, you know. Yeah. Uh, the thing about it is that, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to skip any steps with you, mm -hmm. you know, be able to tell everybody that everybody is providing an opportunity. As if people who listen to this or watch this should understand that we all have opportunities. It's what you do with those opportunities. And a lot of people are afraid. A lot of people are working on jobs right now that they, they don't want to leave because they don't, there's so much uncertainty. That's called fear. I don't fear anything. I, I fear the opportunity that that, 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 that that I will not take advantage of something because I didn't know about it. Hmm. I'm always in the information game. I'm always making sure my relationships are communicating. My lines of communications are always open. I'm not afraid to challenge myself, nor am I afraid for a new venture. But the, the average person is, and that's why they're not happy. I'm a very happy person. 
Yeah, and and I, I really love your message because I think、um, the biggest problem for us young people is that everyone tells us when someone in my age, like early twenties or mid twenties, wants to start like a podcast or a business venture or wants to build something, like everyone tells them, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this, and look at the statistics, and man, this this will never work, and、um, I think.、Um, Most people really try to、uh, take the courage out of young people, and、um, yeah, that's why I really、uh, love your message. So, well, I'm gonna tell you something about that. Is that、um, now a 22 year old daughter? She was a, a she was a, a tennis prodigy at the age of 16. She turned pro. She blew a knee out in 18 when she was on tour. And、um, at the time, you know, if anybody is in that profession, they understand the amount of money you have to put in, invest. Coaches and travel and equipment, and I told her she asked me, "But could she go to college?" I said, "Yes," because、uh, and I told her, "Don't worry about the money, because that's an investment. Anything we do is an investment. What we can't do, party is young people, old people, or people who are indecisive about their next step, is is look is worry about the mistakes that we have made or the possibility of mistakes we could make.、Hmm. I can't pick the two." I can't predict the future. I can only talk about the opportunity. So when I when I say that to young people, I tell them you have available technology. Well, you should think differently. You should be. You should move faster than me. You should drink differently. Than me. And I, I I really get annoyed at people going, you know, those millennials or those young people, you know, they they think they can rule the world now. Okay, they got cell phones. They can stream. Okay. We 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 grew up with rotary dial telephones. Then we got a pager. Okay, <laughs> we got limited calls. We got internet. <laughs> Atlanta, Georgia. You in Germany? We talking very comfortably here. Yeah. You know, system that we have set up called the internet. This particular brand called Skype. And because of that, it allows you to become an entrepreneur. It allows you to build your brand. And if you're smart about it, which you are doing it. You're starting to you're starting to populate your、uh, your portfolio with talented people that you can say, look, Sean McDonald did my show. Oh, you know Sean McDonald? Google him. You got me. <laughs> okay, I'll do your show then. <laughs> don't tell people my trick here. Don't don't tell them my secrets. Don't tell them my secrets. <laughs> I'm teaching party. I know exactly what you're trying to do. I know I'm a businessman. I know who I am. I, I come do your show. It's a bonus for you. Yeah. It's a bonus for me because I get to talk to you and spread my brand over in Germany. Because people gonna know about me, people gonna follow me, people gonna go to my site out of curiosity. But more importantly, your portfolio grows.、Yeah. You become an international host. You know, I might see you one day on CNBC. <laughs> That's my boy Hardy back in the day. <laughs> I hope so. We were skyping. We were skyping. Yeah, I, I hope so. And、um, I think、um, for everyone who is hard, hard. No, no, no hope. Look here, man. I'm not on this show to give you hope. I'm just giving you. I'm just. I'm just building on your plan. Okay, your plan was you contact because you got a plan, brother. Okay, what you got to do is get rid of the people out there that don't understand. You don't understand your plan. I'm gonna tell you something, man. When I left IBM and told my friends, my family, I was going to tell jokes, they laughed. 
But they weren't laughing at my jokes. They were laughing at what they considered a very stupid decision on my part. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, so, and so when you tell people what you're trying to do, the problem with when you tell your story, you really can't explain to people what you do in an eight-hour day. True. Because guess what? You go, I'm busy. Because you're a creative guy. And your each eight-hour day for you is different. So you can't Absolutely. say, I'm throwing mail, or I'm selling insurance, or uh, I'm at a bank teller, or I'm cooking pies, or I'm washing cars, or I'm an auditor, or I'm an accountant. See, you could just say in one word exactly what I do eight hours in a day. We can't say that, which means that you have to be a very special person to succeed in what you're trying to do and what I consider my career, entertainment, production, talent management, live events. That's what I do. Now, I have to get the opportunity to do that based on the relationships that I keep and develop and build. And so, so I can't allow you to say hope. Because you have a plan in place. I'm part of that plan, and I want, I'm want. i thankful for it because I understand exactly you're younger than me when you started. I, I think that's a blessing because you figured out you. You figured out who you were before I figured. I was still running around here trying to tell jokes and realize <laughs> that wasn't my bottom line. My career and where I made all my money was writing, producing, and managing. That's, hmm. why, I that's why I am a very successful guy in this business because – not because I told jokes, but telling jokes helps me because as a talent, I understand talent. I understand the, the pitfalls of, of performing and the success and the highs of performing. But where I made my money, producing, managing, and writing. Hmm. Yeah, and that, that's my sweet spot, as they say. And and I like what you said and. Um, I always uh, speak with my brother and we have one concept and we call it uh, the inevitability of success. And um, I think if you're like putting the work in over a long period of time, five years, 10 years, 15 years, that um, it's like it's a logical consequence of the byproduct that we will have some success. Like, for instance, I was like um, as a kid, like I was I was like when I was very young, I was very skinny. And um, when I hit puberty, I was like quite chubby. And um, everyone told me when I started to go to the gym, like, oh, man, like forget the gym. And uh, but but now I'm doing it for 10 years. And wow. um, so. It's and it's there's, there's like an inviability that you will have some success along the way. So I think for everyone who is listening to this, um, it's really important to understand that the logical consequence of all your actions will be like you will have some success probably down the road if you have the talent and if you have uh, the work ethic. So, well, you know, and the consistency. And the yeah, yeah. Was that you know, in order to be successful, you have to start with a plan. That's my that's my mantra. Yeah. Start with a plan. Then you have to have you have a, a what is the what is the plan? Okay. Then you start setting goals in place. When you start setting the goals in place, you have to be consistent with those actions that you apply to each goal. And so that's what you just told me. Now, but what I also heard was the naysayers. See, I will tell people naysayers can be a lot of people that you trust and love. Family, family even. Yeah. To be honest, it's sad, but it's even from family. Who you date, who you sleeping with, yeah. mom, dad, you know, co-workers, your best friends. 
all these people, if they don't understand your dream, you got to get rid of them because you do not have time to explain your dreams. Hmm. That's very empowering. So with that being said, people who generally call me and ask me what I'm doing, I ask them, why did you call? Because I know what I'm doing. Now, please help me with this conversation that we have. I'm not rude when I say that. I'm just letting everybody know that is that there is a plan of action that you have to protect yourself and your brand, and you have to surround yourself with people who believe that you can be great and that you, the, the direction that you've chosen for your life is the right direction for you. It's not the direction for you. It's the right direction for you. And... Um I what I found out like when I started out in entrepreneurship a couple of years ago, like two or three years ago, um, that it's very tiring to explain yourself like all the time to everyone. Like I, it was so draining. Like I'm doing this because of that, and I'm selling my story for like what reason? Like yeah. those people don't become my customers of our like marketing agency. Those people won't hop on my podcast, and um, I don't want to put anyone down or something. But um, if you look at the masses, like their judgment is terrible. Like if they would know how to create wealth long term, like they would all be rich. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really silly to try to sell yourself all the time to people who quite, to, to, to be honest, don't really matter at the end of the day. So, And it's sometimes sad when it's family, for instance, then it's like really sad. But um, I think uh, you can change them, or at least I couldn't change anyone so far. So, <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you this? I'm not in the change business. <laughs> I like that. I'm in the people who want to listen to me business. Understand that. You know, I believe, like I told you, I'm a stand-up comedian at heart. So I, I go on stage. I can't make a hundred percent room laugh. There are gonna be people out there with personal problems, you know, that I might not know about. You know, they might be thinking about doing something bad to somebody when they when they come into the comedy club or when they left the comedy club. So that means that I'm dealing with. I've been dealing with a percentage all my life. The thing I'm telling you this hard is that I win in a very high percentage. Hmm. So. That's the key, is that you never get 100%, but how much of a percentage is your goal? I stay above 70% all the time. That's a passing grade. If you win it on a passing grade, you're making money. But if you're down there in the Fs and the Ds and the, the D minuses, uh, you might want to change jobs. <laughs> and you definitely should change jobs if you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah and, and and i think for everyone who is listening to this what i also found out like you've mentioned that um sometimes you really know what you'll be doing like for instance i've tried so so many different things and i had a really hard time to motivate myself and i was like procrastinating and struggling and struggling and struggling but um when i started this podcast like one year ago and I've, I have like a German podcast and an English one, this one. And I've done like nearly 300 episodes. And um, what I found out like that I never have to procrastinate on this. This is like play for me. So I think um, a big realization for me was that what looks like play, uh, work for others and play for you is your superpower. Because like most people who start a podcast are like really struggling with um, building their body of work. 
But um, for me, it's like effortlessly. So I think for everyone who is listening to this, like if you find out what is easy for you, um, this is your probably your superpower. So absolutely. And I know the be, be, be uh, you know first of all, Phil is an honor to talk to you. I don't, I don't, you know. Come on, <laughs> I'm 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 just some kid in my twenties. Your picks. Stop showing me your picks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that very, very uh, humbly because I know that yeah, I know who I, I, I know that uh, I know the goals I've set in place. I know that uh, when I started telling jokes and, and started moving up the food chain and from the opening act to the middle act to the headliner, I started doing television appearances. It was always a grind. You never yeah. up the next day with an opportunity to be able to say that you, that you can win too. That you can win to. Now, when I look at an individual like you, you're winning to me. That's why it's an honor. What you have to do now, Marty, is make sure you start sound up surrounding people who talk like this all the time about you. Yeah. And all you're supposed to do is say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Because that means that the more the more times you say thank you, it's going to start affecting your income. If you start saying thank you a lot, that means that you're doing the things right. Mm -hmm. And so so that means that that means that you should never run from compliment. You should accept it. As long as it's the compliment that you want. Mm. You know, if you if somebody thanking you for being silly or for being a buffoon and you're not a standard comic, that's the problem. But if you're doing this in the line of crap and all your thank yous are coming based on what you're doing, you're do because of the things that you want to do with your career and your world. And the place that you employ, then you are winning. And that's mm. why I said you're winning. And that's why I have to say thank you. <laughs> thank you, too. And um, I like what you've mentioned about hard work. This was like another epiphany of me that um, I, I said, if, 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 if it's like hard work for me, like I will probably not stick with it long term. Like, for instance, this might be a silly example, but I think a lot of people who are listening to this can relate to this. Like, For instance, the diet industry is all about like um, this is what you should be eating and people force themselves um, to eat a certain way and it's really, really hard for them. And because it's hard for them, they can't stick with it long term and so they can't really reap the rewards long term. Instead, you should probably think for yourself and what is effortlessly for you and um, then you can reap the rewards long term. Um, even though your diet might not be quote-unquote perfect. And um, I think the same goes for everything in life. Like for business, like I struggled with so, so many things uh, in my like very early 20s. Like, oh man, I, I couldn't motivate myself and I was struggling and I was like really believing in just hard work and I have to struggle thing. And of course, that's a place for hard work. Like I'm probably working very hard uh, compared to a lot of people. But um. Yeah, I think it's really important to understand that for everyone who's listening to and this. You are, and you are. And, and by the way, I'm I'm way too uh, I'm talking way too much for my age right now, but <laughs> because you're engaged. Now, understand this is what I do for a living now. I talk to people. So if you're not talking, that means I'm talking too much. Okay? So that means we have to we have a shared responsibility here, my friend. You're not, you're talk when you talk to me. What you're not gonna do, Hardy, is bring me on your show. And I talk me to death. Nah, that's not gonna happen. I, I got, I got podcasts. I got to record this afternoon. I got to save my voice. <laughs> so, um, 
could you please share with us, like, what have been your biggest epiphanies on show, uh, the show business, the entertainment business, and um, making a show a success? What have been your biggest epiphanies and learnings? And uh, yeah, you know, as a as a sitcom writer, I wrote, uh, of course, Me and the Boys, Robert Townsend's Parenthood, uh, Arsenio Hall's sitcom, uh, Sister Sister, T and Tomorrow. Uh, to, uh, T and Tamara Maori, their sitcom Sister Sister, Jamie Foxx's, uh, he was on WP, his sitcom, uh, Monique, uh, Oscar winning Monique's, her sitcom, The Parkers. What I understood, what I what I got from that was the fact that the, the impact I could make on people, especially African-American people, by writing positive, entertaining um, sitcoms, because that was a slice of our life. What also impacted me the most was that I could write something and people will show up that same time every week to watch it. That's a pretty powerful thing to learn and understand is that that you can influence that I be uh, that I was an influencer. I was an influencer. And once you understand that you're an influencer, then how do you want to shape what what brand do you want to get out of that? And my brand was to tell a story that was relatable and important to the African-American community, which in turn became relatable to the general market. And that's why I became really good at marketing and branding. Because all along, I knew that if you have value and you have messaging that's properly associated with that value, then you will attract attention. Hmm. And what would you um, what would you say to someone like me for growing that show? I'll say that one more time. What what would be your you best? Know, I, might, I might have to ask you for a check. Now, what you just say that <laughs> What would be your best advice for growing my show? Like, what would you tell? Um, what would you tell me? Well, I think that in, in entertainment, the interesting thing about entertainment, I would just tell you something about myself. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, I'm not a guy who who looks back. I look forward. But in entertainment, you have to look back because you have to keep telling people what you've done in order to get respect. Okay. Yeah. So it's very important. Now, now, you know, we all have job resumes and things like that, but entertainment is really important. If you want an Emmy, you better tell somebody. If you want an Oscar, you better show somebody. If you if you're an executive abuse, you better you better put that on your social media, on your website. My whole thing is that at the very beginning, what I said to you was very important, is that I'm on your show to expand your brand. You have to understand that. If you don't understand that, then you will not expand your brand. So what does that mean? You're talking to a guy who has uh, built a career, Steve Harvey, 20, 2000 to 2016. You can't take that away from me. Guess what? That can be used in your marketing. I'm currently managing the most, uh, the most popular ESPN and sports personality in Stephen A. Smith. Again. That's part of your brand relationships. And so then you start saying, who else is like that on your roster? And start moving them up. You have, start, you have to start bragging on yourself for people to understand value. And so when you start giving yourself value, plus you're in Germany. So you offer a window, an international interview window. So you have to brag about what you're providing. And I noticed you, you didn't do that that much. And you should do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, probably more, um, I don't know the right word for it, but I'm probably more humble. But, yes. Uh, you cannot be humble in entertainment. 
And I always tell people I write the book, and I have a chapter that. called the Muhammad Ali chapter. Mm-hmm. And the Muhammad Ali chapter is based on the fact that he told everybody he was the greatest. I always, say, I always tell everybody, Muhammad Ali was the first person, individual, who understood branding and marketing himself. Companies have been doing it for years. Companies will tell you they got the best car. They tell you they got the best hamburger. They build the best houses. Corporations have been doing it for years. Individuals did not do that. Muhammad Ali was the first individual who said, I am the greatest. The world looked at him and questioned him. As they questioned him, he kept saying, who are you? You, you crazy if you don't know that. That's why many years later, Michael Jackson said, I'm the king of pop. They questioned him. He mm-hmm. goes, you know something? I'm going to go show yeah, you. I'm the king of pop. So I look at you and I go, okay, my man. Yeah, I, I'm way too quiet. I, I recognize it now. Yeah. If you sit up on this phone, if on this call and told me, I am the boss <laughs> of Germany. <laughs> how, can I, how can I question you? I am the podcast king of Germany. I am the Skype king of Germany. Write all this down, Hardy. Because guess what? Guess what? I usually charge people for these great nuggets of, of marketing. I was listening to this episode again. I am, Germany, I am Germany's voice of reason. Hey, man, you're talking to the leading voice of entertainment and entrepreneurship. That's Rashawn McDonald. Now, that's the title I gave myself. <laughs> Great advice. Who are, you question, who are you to question the leading voice of entertainment and entrepreneurship? Because <laughs> I'm talking to the Skype king in Germany. <laughs> so it's really, really important to stop this humble uh, bullshit, basically. It's, yeah, because, uh, because of the fact that, you know, uh, people come around me and I am a humble person. I, yeah. I, come, I I love to bake. I love to. Uh, I, I, my home. Uh, I have a lake attached. I go down there and I just think, because there's so much pressure on me to deliver. Mm-hmm. So so so, once when I stopped managing Steve Harvey, it was really interesting. I didn't know who I was, Harvey, because for 16 years all I talked about was how great he was, how great he could be, and how great he will be. I could tell you his blood type. I could tell you what he ate <laughs> when he went to bed, when he woke up. Okay. And so with that being said, I had to figure out my voice. Why would people consider me relevant? You know, now I have 97,000 fan club members. I got 770,000 Facebook followers. I got 33,000 Instagram followers, like 23,000 um, Twitter followers. In that, in that world, it would, they would call me an influencer. influencer. And that was not, that was by a syndicating podcast. I'm a money-making conversation brand. It's on Spotify, iHeart, Apple Tunes, Play. So I'm building a media brand that can move people, engage people, and get people to understand that Sean speaks there's value in my conversation. That's the only thing you miss. You're a good-looking guy. You know, you look good on camera. That's what I'm saying. If I saw you on TV in a much more higher profile 10 years from now, I wouldn't be shocked because you know what? You actually listen to what I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, 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 so much. And um, so 
Um, because you are also in the marketing space and entrepreneurship space, and you are very, very successful at it. And um, I've also created a marketing agency, a digital marketing, uh, two or three years ago with my brother because um, my father was also always involved in, in marketing and had an agency, but he passed away when I was quite young. And um, I've... I've tried to land like the big, big companies and I've landed like quite like w one guy, his name is like Neil Patel and he's like a very, very popular digital marketer with a million Facebook fans and this and that. But um, I, I haven't been able to like get the laureates or something like that. So could you please speak about like how does one bid up their marketing agency um, to land those big, 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 big Fortune 500 clients and um, yeah. Okay, here's the deal. You have to figure out who you want to talk to. Okay, don't don't say that I'm talking to everybody. No, no. Do you want to talk to? <laughs> say, do you want to talk to Latinos? African Americans? Do you want to do general market? In the general market, who you want to talk to? You want to talk to Southern? talk to West Coast, you want to talk to uh, vegans, people who are natural, you want to talk to fitness people. So you have to figure out what market you want to start your brand in. Mm -hmm. What market? What, what layer? And, and so what most people do wrong is that they just try to talk to everybody. Here's an example. Yeah, I, I do that. I do that. It's, it seems to be a mistake. Yeah, It's a big mistake. Uh, here's, I always tell this. I use this as an example. You can use this and I won't charge you for this. In social media, if you had a Don't send me a bit later. <laughs> yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, it'll be on a, 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 a U.S. stamp, so it'll never get to you. <laughs> so if you had a million followers, mm -hmm. that means that, and I and I like it to radio music formats. If you had a million followers, then if you posted an image, then you get a million likes. But no. that's not true. No. Because like music, Social media has different formats of people who follow you. So that means that within that format, you have to figure out what, why are they following me? And then basically zero in on that brand and build your relationship to grow. Now, that's what you have to do. And that's what in marketing, you have to say, you know something? I'm an expert in reaching young people. I'm an expert in reaching middle-aged people. I'm an expert in reaching women. I'm and an why do we... Sorry to interrupt, but why do you think it's so important? Because you have to have the defined voice to sell your brand. You cannot come in my office and tell me I can reach everybody. I'll laugh you out the door. <laughs> you tell yeah. me, hey, man, look, I'm a young guy. I know how to reach millennials. Hmm. I go, okay. And then, but you have to show me a presentation on how you're going to reach them because I'm interested. Because reach them, then I'm, I'm with you. My, my thought process was that um, if I would like clearly define, for instance, this is like my target audience, that my thought process was like, hey, why should I limit myself? But it's uh, but but it's probably bullshit. But um, yeah, please go ahead. So, well, you, I'm you something. You don't have a you don't have a, a marketing firm in the world that's big enough to reach everybody. Mm -hmm. Every marketing firm will tell you they they're. What they do is they will go and pitch, and that's why you have firms, and I'm going to reference America because I don't know the breakdown in Germany, but mm -hmm. you have firms that say, look, we'll give you the urban audience. They have firms that say, we'll give you the Latino audience. And then you have firms that say, they're the general market firms that say, 
we have a multicultural marketing arm of our arm of our firm, which means they'll tell you we get the Hispanics, we get the blacks, we get the the Asians, we get the the Middle Eastern, we get the Italians, we get every every genre out there we can get it because we have a a branch of our office over there because they know that they want all the crops, but they want what they will not do is put their eggs in that basket because they know they got a big opportunity by saying that they're general market. So what you come along is that you know some. I'm a, I'm a marketing agency. To who? Yeah. To okay. everyone. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Now, your dad, if he was alive, and I'm sorry, he's passed away, he would be saying the same thing that I'm saying. He understood that when you go in, you have to pitch to a particular culture and age and, and, and genre, whether it's women. He, 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 was a, he was doing it uh, for, for golf clubs. He was yeah. only doing marketing for golf clubs. So okay, cool. it seems well, to be what? silly. He yeah. was never marketing to me. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not the major buyer. Yeah. He knew that his, or his, or his age was probably, probably 30 to 55. Yeah, this age group sure. that he marketed his golf club to. He also marketed his golf club to professionals, okay. And he also had a lot of relationships with the with the stores that carried golf clubs. He didn't take his he he went over at Target trying to convince Target or a grocery store trying to convince a grocery store to take golf clubs. Yeah. That's a waste of his energy. He was at sporting stores that accepted his brand. And if it didn't accept his brand, he was trying to get that brand on the shelf. And so that's a classic example of what I'm talking about, is that he did not deviate. He also wasn't trying to 100% cater towards women. He knew that was a growing market, but he really knew his sweet spot were white males, 30 to 55. They were, in, uh, they were young executives or executives who had free times on the weekend. That was his market. That was his area. And he stayed right in that lane. If he tried to deviate from that, he was just hitting his head up against the wall. Hmm. So it's really about um, having like a very precise market and know who you are talking to and don't try to please everyone. And um, yeah, like, like it, I'm it's, doing. It's, it's, it's conversation, Hardy. I don't even play golf. When hmm. I was able to identify that market, and, and be able to give and invite and be able to advise them. But that's why I'm really good at what I do, because you know, some people have called me a marketing and branding genius because I quickly will tell you where, where you need to talk to people and be successful at it and stop wasting your time. And so you don't have to be an expert at something. You just need to be able to talk to the people that want to buy your product. Hmm. Anything else you have on your mind? Because at the end, I always ask five questions. But um, I would I would like to pick your brain on uh on anything marketing and entertainment related. Like, um, yeah, oh, anything yeah. that comes oh, to mind. Oh, 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 coming to a close here. I don't want to close, but um, our meeting is booked for uh, I, an I, hour. I got so. Conference call. You know, it's, uh, other people want to talk to me, Hardy. You cannot be greedy, my man. <laughs> I will tell you this. I, I enjoy talking to you. I have no problem, uh, you know, specifically talking to you about certain things because, you know, the thing about it, man, is that I, I'm very happy with my life and the gifts that I have, I'm not taking to the grave. And I am at a point in my life where my brand and exposure and it's a whole nother section of the conversation that I want to talk to people about 
people who have given up, people who have hit a certain age in life and thought, hey, you know something? I'm done. And I did this interview with Tom Bilyeu, and if you can go to YouTube and you can see it, it's Rashawn McDonald, Impact Theory is the name of his YouTube channel, Impact Theory. And mm-hmm. it was about people telling people to stop giving up when they hit 40, 50, 60, 70, because of the fact that people think that they should stop. And because when they reach a certain age, their dreams are not possible anymore. And that's a lie. Your dreams are always possible as long as you give effort and you are a dreamer and tied to those dreams are goals. That's what marketing is all about. Every day you get up, when you say hello, you're marketing. You're marketing what people think about you. If you're a grumpy person, well, you're marketing that you're grumpy. If you're a happy person, you're marketing that you're happy. If you're happy, you know people hang around happy people. And while you got them around you, then you can start selling your brand. And when you sell your brand, it's what you want to sell. And that's really what we're having this conversation. It's like marketing is so simple, but it's very, 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 very narrowly scoped. I will tell you this. When people launch a TV show, they're going for a specific audience. You know, sports, they know they're going for males. If they get women... They know they're going to get men, okay? That's why you see now in sports across the world, you see more and more women in sideline reporting, more and more women are in studios because they're trying to get that female demo. They're trying to get that extra dollar. They want to go to advertising and say, look, look at our, look at our women viewers, they increase, our women, our female listeners. So that's what we are at in our lives is for you to look at your brand and anybody who's listening to look at their brand and understand that there's opportunity to be successful. I challenge you to say, hey, I wrap up this call. I will look at my platform, see if I'm meeting all the points that Rashawn is saying. Am I screaming my brand out there? Am I consistently telling people where I want to go? Am I telling people who I want to be? I don't think so. So um, where can people connect with you on the social webs, uh, work with you and so on and so forth? I would tell them to go to moneymakingconversations.com. That's you know, www.moneymakingconversationswithans.com. Go there and it, you join my fan club. I have a, uh, a motivational and planning calendar that they can download. Uh, it's got pictures that I've taken on my trips to Alaska, to Belize, uh, around the world. The pictures I've, uh, on each photo, there is uh, quotes, uh, motivational quotes uh, to the right side of it. There's step-by-step instructions or how you can be successful each month. You do these steps each month, it will guide you to having a successful career in your personal life, in your professional life, and if you're an entrepreneur, how to establish a long and consistent pattern for success. But if you go to moneymakingconversations.com, it'll make me happy. But more importantly, it'll make you happy because all we need is information. But more, more importantly, we need information that we can trust from somebody who is successful. This is what I don't like. I don't like people out there writing books who are just writing and talking on theory. I'm the truth. I am the truth. I made my mistakes and I made enough successful things to be able to be on your show and tell you about it. That's what the beauty of my life. That's why I want to tell everybody that you can be me. But more importantly, in 2020, lead with your gifts. So uh, at the end, I always ask five very quick and short questions. So the first word uh, would be, um, what are the three uh, books that had the greatest influence on your life? I would say uh, 
Lord of the Rings. I read that in school. It was, it was like 1,000 pages. <laughs> <laughs> the movies are great. I haven't read the books, but... Yeah, yeah, movie, uh, uh, yeah it, was, it was really interesting. When I started watching the movies, I had a flashback. I read, all this stuff sounds very familiar. And I remember I read it when I was in middle school when the movie finally came out. Uh, it's a book called uh, Swimming with the Sharks Without, Without Being Eaten Alive. I read that uh, in, in the 80s. And the book that I'm going to write is going to come out in 2001. That's the book that changed a lot of people's lives. It'll be written by Rashawn McDonald. It'll be coming out in January of 2021. The second question is, uh, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? Uh, every last one of the Avenger movies. I am a Marvel fan. And so I think they, what they did with the end game was crazy. Uh, Infinity War was awesome with the Avengers. Because you know why I like it? They, they planned that out. That's not something that you just, they just thought of doing last week. This is a series. And I, and, I, and I compare that to life. Is that if you want to be successful, you cannot plan your days every 30 days. You have to start looking at six months, a year, two years in advance. Because that's how you start figuring out if you can, how much money you're going to make. So those three movies, when I look at it, I don't look for the, the box office. I look at the, the, the planning, the continuity, and the execution. And they pulled it off. Mm -hmm. So um, the third question is, uh, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? And he would say, what's it? Uh, most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? I, uh, I am a... Uh, I'm an individual who provides, um, we, oh, listen, you can see my work on the, in the box office. You can see my work in the bookstores. You can see my work uh, in grocery stores because <laughs> I'm a baker. And you can see my work online because I'm a podcast, motivational planner. I provide tools for people to win. So I provide services and I provide goods. But more importantly, I provide opportunity and information. Hmm. And you can win with information, which means that education has to play a role in your life to understand information. So um, the fourth question is, uh, what are the most important relations you've had in the last couple of years? Um, I have to say um, my most important relation from a, from, a, from a career standpoint, Steve Harvey. Uh, probably been my most dominant relationship. Uh, well, uh, realizations you've had, like epiphanies. Epiphany? Uh, um, that, um, that I was special. That I was, uh, I, I'll tell you something, man. I went, I went most of my life trying to be a regular person. I missed most because I was like you. I was humble. I didn't want to scream. I didn't want to let people know exactly what I was doing. But I was proud of what I was doing because I didn't want to explain to them. It takes a lot to explain what you do on a daily basis, Harvey. And then people, they'll, they'll look at you strange and yeah. some of them get it and some won't get it. And they, then they ask the question, why? Then they ask you if you're making money at it. And then, they, then they'll walk away. And you don't know if, you, if it's worth telling your story to these people. Well, I, I realized that I want, you need to tell your story. And you need to be able to tell it. So if, you, if you're ready to tell your story, well, you better get your story together. And that's the key, getting your story together. And that's what I do. Mm. 
The last question、uh, for today is: What would you tell your twenty-year-old self? <clears throat> Here's the story. I tell people: If you want to be, if you, if you want to be successful in life, it's not your resume that you're currently considering important, and that's usually a job resume. It's what you wanted to do in your twenties. Will drive the money that you can make in your 50s, 60s, and 70s, because in your 20s is when you courageous. In your 20s is when you was a dreamer. In your 20s is when nobody could tell you nothing, because you were a dreamer. And then you didn't have a, and and 60 and 70 was so far away from you, it wasn't even it was you couldn't even comprehend 40 years of age. So, but what happens in your twenties? You start to get older. Relationships come into your life. Deaths might come into your life. A job might come into your life. Credit issues might come into your life. Bills might come into your life. A marriage, a girlfriend, that can shift you away from your original dream in your twenties. Those early twenties. So I always tell people, if you're confused about what you want to be in life or what you want to do in life. Just go back to your early twenties and ask yourself, what did you want to do、hmm. at that age? And my friend, that's the age that can carry you to your fortunes today. Don't look forward, don't look current, look in your past, and most importantly, look to those early teens and twenty years. That's where I am doing exactly what I want to do in my life because in college. I was doing shows in college. I was doing live events in college. I was convincing people to buy tickets. I started doing stand-up comedy, forgetting that that's what I was doing in my early twenties. And guess what? That's what I'm doing now. I'm convincing people to buy products. I'm getting people. I'm marketing people to travel the world. I'm marketing talent to be great.、And、I'm on your show harder, so I'm marketing myself internationally. <laughs> I have to get comfortable with this message, but、um, yeah. King, I'm gonna tell you something. Next time you, I'm gonna tell you something. Tell you, I'm not gonna do your show unless the next time I come on the show, you have the king of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do so.、Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your advice, sharing your story. It was a pleasure. I will upload this as my 250th episode. So,、um, yeah, thank you so much for the for the episode. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out. <laughs>